This podcast has been brought to you by Wheatberry, the job search site where careers in insurance and financial services begin. Post your job openings for free. Let Wheatberry help you find the talent you need. Wheatberry with an I at Wheatberry.com. Jeff Hastings knows all about the good intentions that pave the road to success. He has been in your shoes and experienced great triumphs and tribulation and has lived to tell the tale. As a small business owner, he developed one of the largest and most productive sales teams in the Farmers Insurance Group of Companies. His team of over 60 insurance agents and 150 support staff generated an estimated $85 million in annualized premium. In one year, his district generated over $13 million in profit, making him one of the most profitable district managers since the company's inception in 1928. Often being recognized for his performance, the principal of his insurance career came in 2005 when he received the CEO's top award, District Manager of the Year. Jeff is the proud father of three children and is married to the love of his life, Kimberly Hastings. Jeff and his family reside in Cypress, Texas. Well, I'd like to welcome uh, Jeff Hastings uh, in Houston, Texas, to the program this morning. Hey, thank you so much. I'm, I'm very glad to be here. Jeff, uh, uh, you've got uh, quite a career. I know you're an author, you're a speaker, you've been a, a district manager for many years. Uh, tell our listeners a little about what you're, you're doing now, and then I'm going to kind of go back to what you, you were doing before. Sure. Well, um, right now, I actually accepted a position as president of franchising for SunUp Insurance Services. And it's a company with a new concept, I guess we can talk about later, but that is kind of changing the way that insurance agents operate their small business. And uh, before that, uh, now you were a district manager with a, with a company for quite a few years. I was. I actually started with that company in 1985 to kind of date me and um, worked there for 28 years. Loved the company, great people and, uh, you know, great organization, but ended up leaving there in 2013, retiring to open up a coaching agency. But it was a, a great organization. I started out as a file clerk and promoted through, throughout the state office and there, you know, everything from claims and underwriting and auditing and then went off into sales and ended up um, managing a territory as a self-employed district manager for that company. Yeah. Jeff, I want to stop for just a minute. Did you say you have a headset? I do. Is there? A, are you able to use the handset for me? Is that uh, an option? Um, actually, you know what I could do is I could change to my Rode microphone that's okay. uh, for radio. I just didn't okay. have it on because I didn't okay. want any noise in the background, but I certainly yeah. can. What's happening Let is me. the the you're coming and going. Um, really? It's coming and going in terms of fading out. Um, and so what I'm, what I'm getting is I'm getting dropped, uh, words that pieces of words are dropped out or skipped on it. Oh, okay. My apologize. Uh, my apologies. Let me see, uh, if I can switch over here and go to settings. I don't move over from the phone. I don't usually use this microphone, but it certainly is a lot better quality probably for this. Yeah, I had a a young guy in Torrance two weeks ago, and he had a headset. Uh, and what I found is when we got into the talk conversation, he would move away from 
uh, his base, and then I and it would fade out, and then it would fade back in. Okay. Yeah. Let me let me find this. Let me well, if I can find these settings here on three screens. Uh, let's see. Are you in your car? Or are you in the office? Or no, I'm in. I'm in an office, but I use it on on the phone. It's yeah. not going to be. It won't be as sharp as this road uh, microphone. Yeah. I do yeah. some professional recording, yeah. but I don't use it for phone calls. So let me yeah. see. I just have to okay. switch it over. It's not giving me. I wonder if it's not going to let me change when I'm on a call. Well, you know, now that we're talking just back and forth, I mean, it's coming in clear now. Um, it is? Yeah. Yeah. Is it, was, it was just kind of coming in and out for a minute? There was just a little or? crackling and then it would, uh, it would fade a bit. But why don't we give it a shot again? Uh, if, it, if it's a wireless unit, uh, then you do need, you'll need to remain close to wherever the receiver thing is. Um, and, uh, uh, and I think we'll probably be good. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll keep my head closer to it. I mean, the only downside is that if we do it and I and I don't capture the, I mean, a little bit of friction in it, it is okay because that gives it a. Everybody knows this is over the telephone, that we're not sitting in a studio, um, but we just have to be sensitive about trying to capture good audio because we want it to be a pleasant listening experience. So. Oh, absolutely. So. Absolutely. I just, um, okay. I'm trying to think if I can just, if I could switch it over to the other microphone real quick, um, that, that may help. I'm just, uh, when I'm on the phone, I just don't see how it's, it's not allowing me to, uh, view the settings okay. while we're actually on an active call like it does on a different app. Okay. Well, let's just stick with what we got. And, uh, okay. what I'm going to do is just pick it up from the top where I, I'm going to pick it up and we're going to start over. Because uh, we were right at the beginning of that anyway. So, okay. All right. Well, I'd like to welcome uh, Jeff Hastings in uh, Houston, Texas. Thanks for being on the program today. Hey, thank you, Dennis. I'm glad to be here. So, Jeff, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about what you're doing now. Well, Dennis, I um, accepted a position late last year to become president of franchising for SunUp Insurance Services. And SunUp is a, you know, it's even though a new company, it's a lot of people that have a lot of ind industry experience, and we're changing the way insurance agents operate their small business across America. You know, I, I know our listeners would like to hear a little more about that, but before we get there, I, I want to kind of go back to your background. Now, you were a manager with a major multi-line carrier for a lot of years, weren't you? Uh, you know, I was. I started with that company in 1985 as a file clerk and retired there in 2013. And I worked in various positions, uh, of course, starting as a file clerk. Then I went off, um, you know, finished my college education and um, became an underwriter, worked in auditing and claims and marketing, and then went off on my own, uh, moved back to my hometown of Houston. I was in Austin at the time to take over, actually train, uh, had to have an agency for two years, and then took over a territory in Houston where I hired, recruited, uh, and trained insurance agents. Really? Well, it's, uh, uh, I want to, uh, now you're in Houston and lived there for a number of years. Is that where you're from? 
Yeah, from originally. My dad was a Houston cop and lived here from birth until 1982 when I moved outside of San Antonio in Canyon Lake, Texas. Really? Okay. And uh, where did you go to school? Uh... Well, quite a few of them. Actually, I went to three high schools, went to Aldean Nimitz in Houston uh, the first two years. Actually, my parents, my father retired from the police force and took his retirement to buy a hotel uh, in Canyon Lake, Texas, uh, right before the, the drought of 1984. <laughs> and uh, so that was a poor business decision, on, you know, not anything he could have controlled. But so I, I kind of lived with friends, and my dad ended up getting back into law enforcement once I moved back in with them, you know, so it was in Aldine Nimitz. And then I went to Smithson Valley outside of, uh, you know, by Canyon Lake, Texas, between Austin and San Antonio. Um, when he went back in law enforcement, um, I lived, stayed back, lived with another family, but I lived, uh, finished my high school education in Dripping Springs, Texas. So kind of moved around a little bit. Well, was it, uh, were you a pretty good student or would you consider yourself uh, uh, in the average category? No, I, I, I did well in school. Um, you know, probably should have studied a little bit more, but, um, you know, I did, I did well in high school and then throughout college. Yeah. Now, where did you go to college? You know, I graduated from a private school that's in in most military or it's on most military bases. It's called Parkville University. And I worked full-time, went to school full-time. You know, my family didn't have the money for, you know, to send me to college. I needed to find a way to do it. And the insurance company that was supposed to be a summer job ended up being a 28-year career. And they actually paid quite a bit for me to, you know, finish my college education. Yeah, yeah. I think Parkville is based in uh, Kansas City, aren't they? It is, right outside of Kansas City. Yeah, they've got a beautiful campus just north of the river. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. Yeah, when um, you were putting yourself uh, through college and, and uh, what kind of jobs did you have? What kind of, how did you make uh, extra money to uh, to buy uh, uh, groceries and, uh, and gas for the car? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I stayed working for that insurance company throughout the entire time, but I also owned a business. I owned a sign company, which was a, a lot of fun. I actually fiddled with that in high school. So the, I guess the first small business I've ever owned was called Hastings Sign Company and ended up, you know, having five employees, um, you know, a sign shop and did a lot of business out in Lakeway, Texas, outside of Austin. Really had a great time at it, but it, it actually provided the income I needed to, you know, not only go to college, but, um, you know, start to raise a family. Now, when you drive through those communities, are you still able to see a sign or two that you installed? I can see the remnants of a sign that I, I can see some of the signs that I may have erected, but, you know, the, the, the facial part of the sign is either faded or gone. You know, it was back in the 80s, but, you know, I, I certainly point you know, to my kids now, you know, where I actually did stand on ladders or on a platform to install signs or, or put signs up on buildings. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so how did you get in the insurance business? Uh, you said you worked as a file clerk. Uh, was that your beginning or was it some other path? It was a file clerk. Um, it, really, it was a summer job. I, I intended to get a job and, um, go back to school. I started, ran out of money, um, and needed to find a way to create revenue. And this, a lady kind of took me under her wing and, and said that I had potential and they, the company that I worked for would, had a college program 
month that they would pay for my college education after I'd been with that employer for six months or longer. So I ended up staying on board thinking I would do it throughout, you know, until I would graduate from college. And my dream was to become a stockbroker, you know, for like a lot of kids back in the 80s with uh, Wall Street wanted to go into that industry, but then found out that the insurance industry offered a lot of, you know, that potential without the stress related to it. So I ended up making it a career. So you started out, so then you went and got your license. Uh, tell us about, uh, you know, your, your start. Uh, uh, did that go smoothly? Uh, did you find it to be, you were a natural for it? I wouldn't say that I'm a natural in a sales capacity. I've never even considered myself very extroverted. My friends would laugh when I say that. Uh, and also the personality profiles that have recently taken again, or taken again. Uh, you know, however, I, I, I consider myself more introverted. I can't sell something I don't believe in and a traditional sales person, you know, that you, that most people think of when they think about the pushy kind of person. It's just not me. Um, I have to believe in the product and I also, um, have to feel like I offer value. And if I can sell it to a friend or family, then I know I can sell it to anyone. So your career, you started as a presume as an agent, as a producer, and then eventually worked to become a district manager. Uh, was becoming a district manager or a manager of other a group of people, was that really a career goal or did that just kind of fall into your lap? Oh, the goal from day one, um, whenever I accepted the position, I, I went into a training program where I had to become an agent for two years, but I knew that at the end of that program, I wanted to move on into management because what really fulfills me is mentoring and working with someone. I love small business. I'd studied business, of course, in college, and I'd owned uh, the sign company, and I knew that I wanted to help other people do the same. So my the goal and where I wanted to be was to lead a sales team, an organization to to um, to achieve great things, and, and we did a lot of that. We had great success. And, you know, I, even though I do talk to a lot of the people that, you know, I, I represented or I managed, um, they were like family to me, but there's a lot of them that, of course, I don't talk to as often and I miss them, miss them quite a bit. You know, in, in building an agency and interviewing people, what's one of the biggest challenges uh, as a manager uh, faces uh, in growing an agency? What's one of the biggest things that you have to deal with? challenge with me is living up to the standards that I set for myself, you know, and there's a lot of stories that I could tell you about, but there, there's one and kind of just to make things at home and tell you, I guess, the background to the way I'd answer this question was that I had my closest friends since I was five years old that ended up becoming an agent for me outside of Houston. And he was a CPA not the right person for that position, but he really wasn't happy doing what he had been doing for many years. And I knew that he wanted to change. Uh, becoming a, an insurance agent was not the move for him, but it was in a, you know, in a small rural area where I had an agent that was retiring and I needed someone to take the agency. He ended up doing it. And to make a long story short, there were a lot of things going on, you know, back in the late nineties and early two thousands with uh, the homeowners industry and the insurance industry and, you know, in Texas was turned upside down with the mold crisis. And mm. this great friend of mine ended up committing suicide. Mm. And there were a lot of things that went on in his home life that contributed to that. But I think
think that that left me with this, this feeling of, um, it's not really guilt, but just realizing this, how impactful my position could be and the responsibility that was, that I had with, with the position when someone left one career and they became an insurance agent, someone, they, they put their careers and professional lives really in my hands in some ways that I had a responsibility to deliver on the promise that I make to them during an interview. And that responsibility was the greatest challenge that I put on myself and still have today that I live up to this, my own personal standards that I can be all that I can be for them. And if they do fail, that I did everything in my power to help that person become successful. Yeah. That's a, that's an amazing story. It's uh uh, how many man or producers and agents did you uh, have? Uh, and uh, at what point? Uh, let me start that question. Let me start that question over again. I watched it. That that is an amazing story. Uh, how many producers did you ultimately have under your command or within your district? Licensed people, a little over two hundred and fifty. Um, Seventy-two, I believe, was the number of full-time insurance agents that were in the field that were trained. And then, of course, always had 20 to 30 people in training at the same time. But, you know, it was a, it was a large territory, and it was, I'm proud to say, one of the most productive sales territories in the, in the country. So when you were interviewing an applicant who was considering being an agent, uh, did you always know at that first interview who who would probably could be successful or who couldn't, or or was it always a surprise? to you? But at the beginning, it was probably more a surprise, you know, because they fit the bill of what the company was looking for. But I can tell you one thing that I think led to my success was, maybe it's a sixth sense, but the ability to really put my own personal interest aside, to put myself in that person's shoes and ask them the right questions and really get to know them during an interview. And I had that responsibility to do that because, you know, it's easy for me to sit in front of someone and sell them on this incredible career because it's, it's, it's a very, it's, it is a great career, but just because it's a great career for me doesn't mean it's a great career for everyone. So, you know, I was really good at being able to ask the right questions and put myself in their shoes and to say, if, if, if I had, if I were, that person at this time with the resources that they had available, would this be the career for me now, later, or ever? And then use that, really, maybe it's instinctual or the sixth sense, you know, to be brave enough, even if they did qualify, to say, listen, this just is not the right career for you. And, you know, I'd, I'd done that a few times, and, you know, they had pushed back and still insisted that they were, and ended up some, a few times I was surprised, and but most of the times, you know, it is that that instinctual, you know, knowledge that I have based on experience that I could tell whether or not they would be successful. You know, I think that sometimes uh, people may think that anyone who wants to be an agent would get hired. Did you ever have situations where you had someone who says, well, you know, I would, I would like to you to give me a contract or be an agent, but you turned them down because you felt like they just didn't fit uh, the, the mold that you felt could be successful? Yeah. I mean, there, there are some, you know, matter of fact, even a few people I can think of today that I had turned down and they went to someone else and they were hired and, and they're still agents today. Um, 
you know, and I, I look back and I may have made a mistake and should have brought them on, but in most cases, yeah, I think I, I saved them frustration because there's probably quite a few people that I had turned down and they interviewed and maybe were accepted with another company or with the same company and a different sales territory manager that didn't make it and could have had, you know, been financially bankrupt in the process and even worse, emotionally bankrupt going through a business failure, as we know, is a, is a pretty difficult thing to say the least. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure I made quite a few mistakes, but for the most part, I think I, I made some pretty good decisions. And then more importantly, once you bring that candidate on, you know, to be able to deliver on the, your your promise for providing the training and support and education that they need um, so they have the highest chance of success. You know, I had an incredible staff that did an amazing job. We all worked very, very well together, and we built an amazing family of agents that would do anything for each other. And that really was the secret to our success is no matter what happened, what obstacle was in the way, that we knew that we were going to stick together and we would find a way to get through some of the most difficult times ever in the insurance industry we went through together and have great relationships because of that. You're in a position now where that part of your life as a district manager uh, is behind you and you have the, the benefit of being able to look back and reflect. And, you know, we don't necessarily look for positives or negatives in this, but if you had a, a do-over as you've contemplated uh, your years and experience, is there anything that you would do different if you had to do it again? You know, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I don't spend too many time, too much time dwelling on, you know, my my past in a way to say, wow, if I would would have just known this or done this, because given the set of the circumstances, you know, when I started in 1985, you figure the technology wasn't advanced as it is today. Where, you know, of course today it's a it's a different ball game. But, you know, I think. Um, I think what I've done, if I would have had the knowledge and understanding of how systems, if you take the time when you're going into business to actually build the systems the right way where your business gives you a better life instead of allowing it to take over your life, then you've really figured out, in my opinion, what success is all about. And, and, I, and I'll tell you, I, I miss that, Dennis. Um, I worked nonstop. There are a lot of reasons for that. Fear, fear of failure is probably one of the largest reasons or biggest reasons um, that I worked so much that I, I took for granted, you know, my family at home and uh, 20 years, my wife and I were married. We became more like friends than, than uh, husband and wife. And we grew apart and that marriage ended and that was devastating. Yeah. It, you know, two daughters um, realizing that I had, you know, success, you know, was to me at that time was defined as the, you know, the accolades and how big a business I could grow and all these awards. And I won every award you can win with that company and was one of the fastest growing district managers year after year. However, when you you lose your family, you know, you kind of, it kind of puts you in a different perspective and you have a start to realize that success may mean something completely different than what you thought it meant when you started. And it did. Success is about my faith, my family, um, you know, the work and, and what you do is so important and still is very important. And something I still struggle with today is being able to maintain, I wouldn't say balance, but at least 
now when I'm home, I'm home. When I'm with my wife or my children, I'm with them and I'm not working. But when I'm at work, yes, I give it everything that I've got. But I think if I were to do anything over, I would, it just wouldn't have taken my family for granted. Yeah, wow, wow. Uh, now, you've uh, written a couple of books uh, in your career. And, of course, uh, that's an introspective uh, part where you have to, you know, you go to a quiet place and you you basically pour out your thoughts and your feelings uh, on a written page. Uh, tell us, what was the first book that you wrote? The first book I wrote was called Recruit, 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 Achieving Success One Agent, uh, One Agent at a Time. And it was specifically for the company that I worked for. The CEO of the company asked me early in my, early on in my career, he asked me to, you know, he said that he, he appreciated that I had stepped up and, you know, I was conducting seminars and I was giving the company a lot of my time and was really helping to, even though I was new in the position, I was mentoring or helping other district managers that, you know, were struggling. And he wanted me to really become a spokesperson and a leader. And he asked me, like uh, you know, a good friend of mine, Troy Korsgaard, had done for insurance agents throughout our organization, he asked me to be the leader within all the district managers, 525 or so district managers throughout the country. And he asked me to put down everything in a book. So I wrote it for that company. However, you know, and so it's not actually out there on Amazon, but some people in other companies, they have purchased it before, um, didn't write it for profit. I did it, for, and it definitely wasn't for profit, but did it just, and that got, got me the taste of writing and realizing how much fun that is. And um, so that, that kind of, I guess, gave me my first start in desire for writing books. And what's, I know you've written a, a couple of more. Uh, what's the latest book that you've uh, written and, and put out uh, in the marketplace? Yeah, the latest book, it was actually totally different, and it's it's called The Most Successful Failure in the World, Creating a Business That Gives Life Meaning. And it's creative fiction. It's not industry-specific. You know, the books prior were all about the insurance industry. And this book is, and if you want me to tell you a little bit about it, sure. you know, and, and there's a, a lot of some personal stuff that goes in it, and maybe after the few stories I've told or may tell you before the end of this interview may make a lot more sense of why I wrote it. But it's about a man that creates this this empire, very, very what most people would consider just a, the epitome of success. But throughout this process, he finds out that um, he collapses on stage and he find, finds out that he has cancer. And on his deathbed, he realizes when he you know, at six, with six months to live that he had given up a big part of his life in pursuit of uh, in, in pursuit of success. And then he did, he does realize that success, uh, you know, that, that in pursuit of success, that that time with his family and all the other kind of things that his definition was completely out of whack. So the next six months, he spends that with his lifelong friend and business partner who helped him start this company to, to help him rebuild the business so that his daughter that was working in the business and was doing actually everything he asked her to do. And that was, uh, to, you know, through sweat equity that she could advance, that she would need to really put in that time so she could end up taking over that business one day. You know, he asked his friend to re help him rebuild the business in a way that doesn't destroy his, her life like it did his and actually could actually add to her life instead of taking it away. So 
over the process of six months, they both go to different companies, uh, some of the best companies in the world to find out what made them so special to rebuild their business. So there's a business aspect of the book, but there's a lot of personal stories that are going on side by side and some surprises that hopefully keeps a reader engaged and, um, you know, and, you know, and surprised at, at the end. And I'll just leave it at that. But, you know, and, and the reason I, I wrote that book, it seems like every coaching agency out there, every or everyone that owns a business, they have this preconceived idea of what success is. And the coaching agencies out there that try to help you will all tell you that the secret to success, and they talk about more sales and how do you get more sales and how do you improve retention. And all those things are important, but most important, you need to define what does success really mean to you in your life. You know, if you if you can't define that and have the real meaning of that success, then you may get exactly what you were shooting for and end up realizing at the end of this thing that that didn't make a difference whatsoever. So what I wanted to do is give my reader the perspective of a dying man to say, if that were me, and I went and created exactly what I'm trying to do today, if I'm going to work on what I'm doing today, would I approach it differently, knowing that at the end of this, my perspective is going to be completely different. Yes, yes. Now, if you were uh, 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 meeting with, uh, say, a young man or young woman who was considering uh, a career in insurance today, uh, what advice uh, might you uh, give them if you only had just a, a minute or two to tell them uh, what to look for if they were thinking about a career in insurance or financial services today? Well, a minute or two is kind of hard. However, um, you know, I'm going to assume that, you know, they had done their homework and this is something that they would be passionate about. You know, the insurance business is incredible and the potential for bringing in a lot of uh, revenue and helping a lot of people is one of the, it's one of the best careers I think you can choose and certainly one of the highest success rates of any industry out there, if you're going to own a business, it has a great success rate and people have to buy insurance. You know, um, so if, if this is what they want to do and it, it also matched with their personal goals in life and, and just to making that assumption, I would say that as they're going to build their agency, that they, they don't forget about the fundamentals. And, you know, I, I created a series called the four levels of small business. And that foundation is what most small business owners miss out on. They you know, they don't create the the business planning, the structure, the product differentiation, the branding. They don't think about that, um, and they go immediately into sales. And that's why small business failure is so high in this country and around the world is the business owner really has no idea about how to truly build a business that truly works. And so that's one reason why so many people that look at buying businesses own franchises. Because a franchise is that level one. It is the foundation of success, which basically takes away the business owner's, you know, ability to screw it up. <laughs> you know, it, it takes away their decision and say, listen, if you just do what we tell you to do, this thing is going to work. And that's why most people go to the franchise model because all of that foundation is built and the success rate is extremely high. Now, you've gone through your transition uh, now and heading in new directions. What are you excited about? Uh, what are you up to uh, in the next couple of years? And what are you excited about in the next couple of years? Well, it's a perfect transition, I guess, <laughs> you know, from talking about franchising. You know, insurance 
agents out there or insurance companies. And, you know, we, we know that the success is very high. And then the reason most small business owners or insurance agents specifically are successful is because people have to have the product. And quite frankly, most insurance agents really don't do a great job after the sale. They may think they do, and but it's all reactive. They're all responding to the phone calls. They're not truly developing systems that work. And I, I love to tell business owners when, you know, and I, it's always a red flag when I ask them what's their biggest headache, and they always say staff. You know, can't find great people. Well, when I start as a business coach, I start digging down into finding out what the real reason is, why they can't find great people. 99% of the time, it all comes down to they haven't created systems within that business, training systems that tell their people what to do, when to do it, and they haven't cre- created reward systems and that will reward them for a great job. So I, I like to tell them, listen, if you don't have those procedures and, and all of that stuff written down, you don't have systems, you have habits, and you can't teach habits. You know, people retaining 7 to 8% of what they hear it is not possible for that person to really understand what's going on in your crazy head and actually implement implementing that in a consistent uh, way. So as a business coach, you know, um, I love to help people create those systems. And when you take an insurance company, an insurance agency, and quite frankly, most of the insurance companies out there, their training systems are all limited to product knowledge. And they may do a great job in teaching someone how to key in an auto policy or make a change on a homeowner's policy, but they really don't do a great job of teaching someone how to run a small business. So what I'm working on now with SunUp Insurance Services, it's a franchise model to an insurance agency. And there's a couple of models out there, but they're really not anything close to what SunUp's doing. I'm excited about it because they take the best of two worlds, insurance and franchising, and they combine it into one incredible model where they can say, listen, your product is insurance, but if we give you systems, at a, and it's priced, quite frankly, way too low right now, but um, I, I, I understand why they wanted to price it that way because we want to grow quickly, is that they can make a small investment in their agency and create systems in that agency to make it run like it's never run before. And it is so exciting to see, you know, we've, we've got people that are, we get messages daily and many times a day from states that we're not in yet that some of them hasn't actually moved into yet that are that have heard about it, that are really excited about it, and asking when we're going to actually enter that state. Um, we're trying not to grow too quickly, but I think within our first six months, we'll have over 200 agents in the state of Texas, uh, which is incredible. Um, it would be the fastest growing insurance. And we insurance agents, either with their captive market or independent, they all can actually join that sun up system because it's not required that you use insurance, uh, the insurance uh, contracts that the company has. However, they do have great contracts, some of the best carriers in the independent model available in the United States today. Yeah. So it's exciting. Yeah. Jeff, that's exciting. And uh, your enthusiasm is uh, contagious. Uh, just for our listeners, if you came in uh, uh, last part of our visit, this is Jeff Hastings, uh, entrepreneur and business owner. Uh, in uh, Houston, Texas. Uh, Jeff, it's been wonderful to to hear your story and have you on our program today. I appreciate it, Dennis. Thank you very much. Oh, hi. You're still here. Say, if you are interested in reaching thousands of licensed insurance producers across the country, why not consider sponsoring a guest podcast? 
If you had sponsored this episode, we would be telling thousands of listeners daily about you and your company. Find our contact information to request prices and availability at insuranceradio.com.